Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. This week, we'll view contemporary conspiracies through the eyes of an insider. We'll learn about the European Union's latest plans in establishing a one-world system, and we'll go from the Tower of Babel to the Mark of the Beast. All of these topics are able to be shared uncensored because of your support. Thank you for your prayers and financial support, especially during our Meeting the Mission Matching Gift Campaign. Learn how your gift to Southwest Radio Ministries can be doubled. Visit supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. Or you can just give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Today, we welcome back to Watchmen on the Wall author and researcher Dennis Cuddy. Dr. Cuddy is here with Greg Patton, ready to look at the latest plans, plots, and schemes that are changing the culture, the country, and even the world. Well, we're honored again here at Southwest Radio Church and uh, Watchman on the Wall to have one of our favorites, as I understand it, Dr. Dennis Cuddy. He has written so many books, 25 at least, The Power Elite and The Secret Nazi Plan. The last time he and I talked, we talked a little bit about conspiracy. Want to do a little review there and just some fantastic information that our brother continues to share. And and his credentials, he's not a lightweight by any stretch of the imagination. He has years and years of political and economic risk analyst, historian. He's a senior associate or was with the U.S. Department of Education. So many things that he can talk about and share. And I think, Dr. Cuddy, the last time we talked, and of course you uh, came down with COVID, but you were excited then to talk, and that's been a couple of months ago. So you must have a ton of information, uh, new stuff by now. First of all, as I said, I found out the origin of COVID as well as the motives of those involved. And there's a currently a select committee in the U.S. House sub, subcommittee looking at that. What it is, and I send them the information, but it's like it falls on deaf ears. I also know the solution to Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, and severe COVID. Same thing. I'm trying to get them to do clinical trials here, which have already been completed in Israel. And for some reason, they're not pursuing that either, while millions and millions of people are suffering unnecessarily with those diseases. Secondly, I think it's the next to last chapter. The current book says narcotized. And I was looking at that just sort of academically, but riding around and walking around and talking to people, I'm beginning to see it more and more. It's like their senses are dull. They don't perceive problems right in, right in front of them. You will have individuals like they're, they're in some sort of fog. You try to explain to them something, and they don't know what's going on. And then we just recently, last about three days ago, had the latest results from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, and it found that only 13% of our students are even proficient in the knowledge of history, just just sort of basic history. And so this this is bothering me that I, I always knew what was coming, but to see it actually in place right right before my eyes and people oblivious to an imminent danger is very disturbing. 
let's go back to COVID. That was in a lab in Wuhan, China. No, right? Well, uh, there's more to it than that. It's okay, let's actually make probably a good a good movie. Twenty years or so ago, a leading person in China whose name was Zhu Dejong, and they had SARS-CoV-1. COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2, but SARS-CoV-1 hit the Chinese very, very hard. And so he's a scientist, and he believed that it wasn't by accident. I don't know whether he blamed the CIA or whatever, because I'm not able to read much Chinese at all. But he, he was a very suspicious of that. So time passes, and the leading coronavirus expert in the world is uh, Ralph Barrick, who's at UNC Chapel Hill, where I used to teach some some years ago. And it became very uh, notable, and everybody's looking at this development of remdesivir and uh, lots of applause and so on and so on. He was continuing his research in 2014, and all of a sudden, Francis Collins, who was the head of the National Institute of Health, stopped funding because he said this, this thing has safety and security risk. We're going to stop funding it. Well, the ever-present Chinese said, well, we'll pick up the funding for you, but you have to take our leading scientists who at that time, now 2014, was the Dr. Li Jing. He said, okay. So she gave him the plasmid and spike protein. A virus is a protein with spikes coming off of it. And he taught her something called reverse genetics, and he gave her some transgenic or transhumanized mice, these little mice with little uh, human lung tissues in it to experiment with. And so they did. And the next year, in 2015, they co-published an article in Nature Medicine magazine, and they said that they had just engineered a new coronavirus that could get into the human airwave system. And so everybody was very pleased, except this zoo de Jong, who I mentioned earlier. And at that same time, in the same year, he edited a 261-page paper in China saying how coronaviruses could be used as bioweapons. And it was very detailed, very specific, not just against foreign troops, but to damage a healthcare system of a country <laughs> such as ours. We had a really hard time in our healthcare system on that. And so that raises a few eyebrows along with the simultaneous TED Talks given by Bill Gates, same year, in which he just didn't say we might have some viruses in the future. He said in the future, you're really not going to have to worry about bombs. You'll have to worry about microbes, you know, like viruses. And it was even more specific. It wasn't just a general virus. It was going to be the type of virus where you would get it, and you wouldn't know you had it for a while until you went to a market, you know, like the Wuhan market, or get on a plane, like the first case here, I believe, came on a plane to the state of Washington. So it was very specific, and it, it was like prescience, you know. How was he so knowledgeable, so exact about what would happen? And just raising the question there. So immediately, the Chinese military gets involved in anything like this. So Dr. Jingli Zhi was replaced by another woman, Major General Chen Wei, and the she took over full control just before the first case found in Wuhan, in China. The Wuhan Institute of Virology was right there, November 17th of 2019. And then the rest is history. It moves along. But what's fascinating 
and you'll find it in the chapter, uh, sort of toward the end of the chapter that I have in my new book, I will put down very specific things like the time of day emails are sent. And what happens is you, your listeners have probably followed Dr. Rand Paul and his controversy with Dr. Anthony Fauci. And Dr. Paul says, you funded the Wuhan lab. And he, Fauci says, no, and yes, and no, and yes, and no. Well, what happened was rather tricky. What happened was Dr. Fauci funded Peter Daszak's Eco Health Alliance, and they in turn funded the Wuhan lab. So Fauci was trying to get around this on a technicality. And I put the actual quotes of the emails where Peter Daszak and others are saying, we have to do this communication so there's no tracing it back to us. They sent one to Barrick, Ralph Barrick, saying the same thing. We have to be sure they don't you know, trace, trace this back to it. Well, recently, about seven or eight months ago, a uh, Dr. Antonius Bandigen at Duke and another professor over in Germany and a third individual named Alex Washburn, who's in self-analytics, sort of broke through Barrick's barriers and traced it back to him. He, Barrick had developed what he called the no see method, but they were able to break through this, this maze and trace it back to him. And it's this fascinating story. Like I said, it would make sort of a good, good movie in a way. So you will find that toward the end of my chapter on the origin of COVID in this new book. Just joined us. We're talking to Dr. Dennis Cuddy and uh, he conspiracy. Oh, he knows conspiracies right and left. We could talk all day long. All of his works available here at Southwest Radio Church, SWRC.com, or you can call 1-800-652-1144. And if you have a mind to write, it's post office box 76834 out in Oklahoma City, 73147. Again, SWRC.com. So back to uh, COVID. And so the Chinese were going to use this. It got away from them. I'm not sure I totally understand how we got it and and why China's trying to stop it. I mean, maybe I'm a little confused here. Again, you it's like piecing together a puzzle. If Zhu Dejong had, and I don't know what kind of documents he has or whatever, but if he was correct that it didn't start by accident with SARS-CoV-1 20 years ago, this could simply be a matter of revenge is what it could be. Or the Chinese are always looking for some sort of advantage militarily. And if you can hurt a nation's healthcare system, that would be, you know, one way. I will go a little further than that, though. My mother, the hospital, said she did not have COVID when she really did. And when she was sent to the COVID wing, an amazing coincidence occurs. Her nurse in the intensive care COVID wing was from Wuhan. <laughs> well, lucky, lucky us, right? Wow. And she said, quote, the Chinese Ministry of Health assigns me where to go. Now, they first assigned her right about the time of SARS-CoV-1 to go to Kuwait. Well, what was going on in Kuwait? We were there. It was the time of the Iraq War. What happens? A lot of American soldiers have shed blood. What do nurses do? They take blood samples. So I thought at first maybe this nurse was doing something bad to my mother. I don't think that anymore. What I think is the Chinese probably, and I can't prove this, but I think they probably have dispersed a lot of nurses around the world in the West. And what they may be doing 
is taking samples, just small samples of blood, sending them back via computer or after an analysis to the Chinese Ministry of Health, and their genetic profiling. I know for a fact that the Chinese are genetic profiling. I can't prove that that's specifically what these nurses are doing here with COVID patients. I believe they have, and it's in that chapter that I wrote on the origin, I believe they have a couple of subsidiaries or contracts, one in California and one up in New England, helping them, helping them with this genetic profiling. So that could be another reason that this is what they're up to right now. So what is the genetic profiling for? What are they going to do with it? Think about this. Suppose they genetically profile a next uh, variant down the road to attack us more than them. That oh, would make yeah. sense. Okay, right? yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So when we began, you talked about a solution for Alzheimer's and dementia. Well, the solution and all I'm trying to do is get uh, some American universities, one or more, to conduct clinical trials to duplicate what the Israelis at Tel Aviv University have already completed. They have conducted clinical trials, and they and the article that I um, wrote regarding this is very simple. It's uh, new treatments aren't rocket science, because the solution is actually fairly simple. I, I used to be an athlete, uh, musician, all that stuff years ago, and if you got a serious injury, a physical, you know, your leg or something injury, they would put you in a hyperbaric chamber, which forces oxygen into the system of the leg or the whole body or whatever, and it's a very, very important healer, people who may smoke. What happens with smoking is the, the little cells and the uh, lungs are damaged too, which would transport oxygen through the body. So oxygen is a very important healer. So that's what this does. There are hyperbaric chambers and centers all over. The wound center at most hospitals has a hyperbaric chamber. And they've conducted, the Israelis, Tel Aviv University conducted clinical trials. In the article, I mentioned the original Israeli article about this, which then refers to a larger article in a journal called Aging. You can get a lot more details in the journal um, Aging about this process. But they have put people with dementia and with Alzheimer's in these hyperbaric chambers, forcing a lot of you know really good oxygen into them, and it has reversed it. It reverses the signs of Alzheimer's and dementia in those individuals. So if, if we would only conduct clinical trials here, I can think we can do a lot toward helping the millions of people who are affected with those diseases. In your opinion, why aren't they jumping on top of it then? You'd think this would be an, an automatic. There's two reasons. Number one, and I'm going to put, phrase this this way. Some people have told me, I have to be careful what I say, some people have told me that a lot of money is made from people being sick so it may, be, it may be, unfortunately, they're not in any big hurry to do this. Secondly, the hyperbaric treatment is expensive. But the way I put it in my book is that if they can fund, if Congress can fund bridges to nowhere, certainly they can, can, they can fund this. Excellent thought, Dr. Cuddy. And yes, that thing about uh, keeping people sick and making more money and uh, yeah, tongue-in-cheek yeah. for sure. Now, you talked about the senses being dulled. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I have that, but I'm 76 years old, so I've talked to people, and they're all saying that to some degree. What do you think's happening? 
the uh, book that I did for Southwest Radio Church's publishing arm back in 2010 called The Paralleed and the Secret Nazi Plan, where I go into a lot of depth about the brilliance, evil, evil, but brilliant plan the Nazis had developed right after Pearl Harbor. And it goes back towards the 1930s where when they would conquer a country, the Nazis, like Czechoslovakia, they had developed uh, something called hydrofluoro silicic acid. And it narcotizes a part of the brain that dulls your senses, meaning it makes you less resistant, to say, to Nazi domination. Well, if you were to ask your listeners right now, what kind of fluoride do you have in your water? They'd probably say, I don't know. If they had to guess, they might say sodium fluoride, like in the toothpaste. But it's not. It's this. It's hydrofluorosilicic acid. In minuscule amounts, you don't like dye or something, but it does narcotize the part of your brain, dulling the senses. So my guess is that may be what's going on, but it also has another really bad effect. A couple of scientists, one at Dartmouth University, I think his name was Dr. Roger Masters, along with a leading chemist up in New York City, started to analyze the blood of blacks and the blood of whites in various cities, you know, New York, Brooklyn, all over. And what they found is that blacks had twice as much lead in their system. And so what they found out was this hydrofluorosilicic acid leaches the lead out of older buildings' pipes, and blacks being usually not as affluent as whites there in these types of buildings or houses where they have older pipes. There's at least two deleterious effects from this stuff. I've tried to present this to the NAACP and so on, but the only one who's caught on so far was of Mayor Andrew Young, he was Mayor Andrew Young of Atlanta, and he's also now very suspicious of the effect of this hydrofluorosilicic acid that's in our water. Oh my goodness, Dr. Cuddy, there's so many things that I would like to talk to you about, and we only have half hour today, and of course continuing tomorrow another half hour. Let me ask you this. The Bible talks about us being ignorant of his devices of the enemy. Right. The average listener today, do you think that we're ignorant of his devices? And before you answer that, I have a doctor, a pastor doctor friend whose son is very high up in the CIA, and he's constantly telling his dad without giving any information whatsoever. He just simply makes this comment, Dad, you have no idea what's happening in America today. Would you agree with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have specific examples. and Actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because people say, well, how do you know this? I said, well, some of it I research and some of it I just intuit. So, for example, I have a better record than the CIA and NSA and Defense Intelligence Agency at predicting terrorist activities. Now, I'm not in cahoots with the terrorists. I can just, uh, I've been at this so long that I can pretty well predict what they're up to. And if any of your listeners right now have any doubts about that, just do this. Get online and do the search, put quotation mark, Dennis Cuddy, quotation, close quotation mark, skip a space, quotation mark, April 29, comma, 2013, close quote. What you'll see is on the first page there, I will have made four predictions of what terrorists could do, and they did all four within just two weeks. Now, I don't think any bad the CIA or NSA or FBI 
has been able to do something like that. So it's almost like if you have enough experience, you can figure out the next step. You have this big puzzle, and you're putting the pieces together. And at first, you don't see it. But then you make these connections. You say, ah, I see what they're doing. So what would happen is in Conspiracy 1, the first book, which you mentioned, Volume 1, I have a chapter on Common Core. And so I go back 200 years and show how we got to where we are today by piecing together these puzzles. And you can almost anticipate what they're going to do, what they're going to do next in education, in music, in art, in dance. In dance, it used to be in the 30s and 40s, you would sort of have a ballroom dancing where the uh, man would gently hold a woman's left uh, man's left hand and her waist with his right hand. So you're connected. See, you're connected like that. And then by the 50s, they went to rock and roll where you would just hold your left hand, left hand and her right hand together. Otherwise, you're separated. So by the 60s, you would uh, look at various dances and everybody's doing their own thing. So they're separating. You see how they separate individuals. Now, it's very hard for a man to abuse women or a woman after he's been gently caring in a position, right? But if you separate people, separate them physically and emotionally, if you do that, then you can imagine what would happen. And that has happened. There's been a lot of abuse since the 1970s and so forth and so on. I know likewise you have some thoughts on rock music and its introduction and, uh, again, so many topics here. That's probably a full program in and of itself. And then television and one of TV's most uh, popular programs. I understand you had a little something to say about that and some interesting thoughts. At one time, I ministered all over the country on the effects of the media, the music and the television, etc. And you've got something here. In the 1980s, when I was in the Reagan administration, the Washington Post wrote a long article about the rise, tremendous rise in teen suicides, teen suicide. They couldn't, they just couldn't understand why this was happening. So I wrote a letter to them, which they published, and I said, I said basically, you've got to be kidding. Don't you see what's happened and what's coming? And what happened was, and I used the example of Maryland, the state of Maryland, because it's right next to Washington, D.C., and I told them, I said, look, in Maryland, and it's probably across the country, same thing, they were teaching the students in elementary school in one place all afternoon. They kept pounding and pounding these children with this theme song for the movie or a TV show, MASH, MASH, just over and over and over again. Now, your listeners probably say, uh, yeah, so what, da 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 big deal. But what you don't understand is the theme of that, that song really is suicide is painless. The game of life is lost. Cheating's the only way to win, and suicide is painless. So if you keep pounding that into elementary children's heads, what do you expect is going to happen by the time they're teenagers? There's going to be an increase in suicide. And I put that together with Madeleine Albright, who was Bill Clinton's Secretary of State. Her father's name was Joseph Corbell. Her name was Madeleine Corbell. And he came over here and was in Denver, the Center for Teaching International Relations, I think, in, in Denver. And that is where they started a big push on deaf education. 
death education. They had children reading the kamikaze letters from Japan with the suicide pilots. They had them rubbing coffins, writing their own epitaphs. And lo and behold, what do you think happened? Here come Klebold and Leary with that massive you know, attack in the school of Columbine. You, you could actually predict it. You could predict that was going to happen. So I, I've done a lot of that. So that's how I figure stuff out. Fantastic, my brother. Could listen hour after hour, and I'm sure our listeners feel the very same way. You've been listening to Dr. Dennis Cuddy, and we're going to have more tomorrow. So don't miss Watchmen on the Wall tomorrow. To get any of his works, get in touch with us at swrc.com or call 1-800-652-1144. Once again, to read more about conspiracy and, well, conspiracy too, get in touch with us, swrc.com. You can call 1-800-652-1144. Oh, you've got to get some of Dr. Cuddy's books, my friend. It will inspire you, encourage you, something to pray about, too. Excited about tomorrow's program. This has been Watchmen on the Wall. I'm Greg Patton. God bless. Thanks so much for listening, and tomorrow we'll do it all over again. Once again, thank you so much, Dr. Cuddy, for being here. Thanks for having me. Today is the exclusive debut of Dr. Dennis Cuddy's brand new book, Conspiracy 2. The follow-up to his best-selling book, Conspiracy, this new book is based on his years as a political and economic risk analysis historian and senior associate with the U.S. Department of Education. Dennis Cuddy's Conspiracy 2 delves deeply into the plans, plots, and schemes that are changing the culture, the country, and even the world. Cuddy traces the evolution of evil from its roots in a falling away in the 1950s to the media attacks and undeserved praise of presidents and government to the debacle of COVID-19 and its aftermath. Order your copy of Conspiracy 2 today. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order Conspiracy 2 at our website. Simply visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. View contemporary conspiracies through the eyes of an insider and feel better prepared for the mayhem to come. Conspiracy 2 by Dr. Dennis Cuddy. It's brand new and it's available today. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. I want to encourage all of our new listeners to request your free new listener pack. The new listener pack includes the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. Request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow on the program, Dennis Cuddy will continue revealing the latest plans, plots, and schemes that are changing everything. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by simply subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported now for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit this special website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com.